Hi there, it's your girl Brittany, and you are listening to Finding Love in Purpose podcast, better known as Flip. In this podcast, ladies, we are changing anthems and embracing this new freedom that there's always a better side to life. You just have to flip it. Flip it. Flip it. for tuning in for another episode of Taking Care of Her. That's right, ladies. So for those who are new and are joining us for the very first time, first of all, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, I want to give you the backstory of how this series came about and to let you know uh, what God put on my heart. And so Taking Care of Her, ladies, you know, we wear so many hats as women. We manage so many things that sometimes we neglect or hurt. And so in each episode, we're going to focus on the letter H, and H can stand for what's going on in your head, what's going on in your household, what's going on in your heart, and so forth and so forth. But in this episode, we are talking about health. That's right, women's health. And I'm truly excited about this one because, ladies, I have a special guest with me, a special treat for you. And joining me in this conversation about the importance of women's health is Ashley Clark, She is a public health practitioner. She is a women's health advocate. Uh, She also has her master's in public health, her master's in human services, and she's also a public policy PhD candidate for 2022. Say that five times. Also, Ashley is a mompreneur. She's the founder and the CEO of a competitive edge ACE consulting agency. So she is a business consultant, financial coach, as well as a career advisor. And so Ashley, uh, she's doing it big, y'all. And not only that, Ace Consulting offers a variety of services like resume building, okay? Grant writing services, okay? Debt counseling. You know you need it. Call Ashley. Uh, Also, we have career. She also has career advising services. And so she, like I said, this is a great, great business that she is owning. And truly, Ashley is the young Esther of her time. And so Ashley has passion for motivating and just inspiring women and awakening their purpose. So you have tuned into the right place. Uh, She's also the founder of Esther's Circle Book Club, uh, Pretty Purpose Prayer Circle, and author of Trap Moms, okay, trademark blog. All right, so I'll let her tell you more about that one. And her influence is definitely nationwide. Uh, But I cannot forget her most important role. She is a mother of one son, okay? And so she loves it, and she loves it. She's going to talk about her son on here as well. But I would like to give it up for my friend, Miss Ashley Clark. Let's give it up for her right now. (laughs) Hi, Brittany. 
thank you so much for allowing me to join you today. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to just talk about health, to talk about all the great things that Ace is doing, to talk about my handsome, amazing son, DJ, and just to just share the great news. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you so, so much for having me. I am excited as well. You know what? I feel like singing that song, okay? And y'all gonna laugh at me. Um, but I feel like rapping right now because just listening to all the things that you do, that you're wearing so many hats right now. All I want to say is I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T. Do you know what I mean? What? What? She got her own house. She got her own house. She got her own car. Two jobs. Work hard. You a bad black woman. That's what I'm going to say. Yes. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> and from one beautiful black woman to another, I am so proud of you with this podcast. You are just doing amazing things with Flip. Brittany, you're doing it, girl. So I'm just excited just to be a part of this and for us to be able to come together. This is such a monumental moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited for what we're going to do and what we're going to talk about and just how God is going to move. Yes. Um, I just think this is just a, uh, like I said, a monumental moment. And I'm just so excited for what's going to happen after this the lives that are going to be changed, the millions of women, yes, millions of women who are going to be impacted by this podcast. And even the young men, look, it ain't all about the women. Look, we want the guys to know too. Get on here. You have mamas, you got sisters, you got girlfriends, you got wives. Look, get on here and learn something today. Go talk to her. You will thank me later when I give you this knowledge that you're about to get on this podcast. Okay. See, I'm just saying, like, she ready, y'all. She is ready. I'm ready, too, because I I love, you know, there's one thing about self-care. I've been on this journey, Ashley, in 2020 of just, you know, self-care with my health, doing things that are, you know, to better myself, learning more about myself that I did not know. And so I thought it would be appropriate to have this conversation because there's so much going on. And uh, with that, so many people are finding things about themselves with their bodies, with yeah. what's going on in their mind, you know, their their spiritual life. And so this yeah. is a great, great conversation. So I want to segue into, you know, I know I, I gave your resume, a, a little bit of your resume as far as describing who you are, uh, but nobody can tell their story or tell your story like Ashley can. So I just want you to do that, ma'am. Tell us who Ashley Clark really is that's just 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 a snippet of telling us of what and who she really is uh so the family can get to know you on a deeper personal level and before you start i just want to say you know on this podcast we keep it hot we keep it honest we keep it open-minded and we keep it transparent so you're gonna keep it hot for us i'm gonna keep it real hot real hot y'all gonna need water a fire extinguisher call the fire department all right, so y'all got them on call. You got them on speed down. All right, so Ashley's about to bring it. So to you, Ashley, who is Ashley Clark? Who is Ashley Clark? That is such a great question. Um, so many things come to mind when you say that. Um, you did a great job with the introduction. Um, you know, accolades, so many accolades and things that you could say on the academic side and just achievements. But when I think about the inner man, the inner human being, the inner woman, I would say that Ashley is grace. Um, A lot of the things we're going to talk about today, I have been graced by God. And a lot of the things that we're going to talk about that I've been through, that's really how I can sum it up. If I have been graced, um, because without God and without his grace, I can't tell you I will be here because I've been through some things 
And uh, some of them, this is going to be the first time in the world here. Some of it, my parents don't know, ex-boyfriends don't know. But we're, you know, we're going to get deep today. We're going to keep it hot. Um, but I'm excited about that. I will say that Ashley is determined um, in the midst of the, the things that I've been through and the journeys that I've had in life. And even now, as I'm developing as a mother, as an entrepreneur, um, I'm determined and I'm a fighter. Um, you know, a year and a half ago, I, I relocated um, from my home state of Virginia to Maryland. And even that, just picking up and going, I literally told my boss March the 1st of 2019 that by the end of this year, I'm going to be gone. And by June the 10th, I was giving them my resignation letter, um, almost tripling my income, stepping into something new. I knew no one out here but maybe two or three friends. And I packed up my son and we packed the car and we moved. No furniture. We were sleeping on an airbag. So Ashley is a fighter and I'm a mother. Um, at, at number one, I am a mother. And, you know, of course, I'm a daughter. I'm a blogger. All the things that you said. Um, but um, in terms of title, I will say that I am the young Esther of my time. I love that story of Esther, Brittany. Uh, just, you know, when she came in, just, you know, with the king. And even how it was a moment where she didn't really know what was going on. She didn't know what God was doing. It was like, God, okay, I'm here. I've been summoned. I've been called. You know, now I'm here. Now the king's not calling me anymore. I'm just sitting. I'm just waiting. God, where are you? You know, I thought this was it. This was my, you know, this was my time to shine, that you were going to level me up. And I'm in this waiting place. And it was like, at that moment, you know, for the sake of her people, she realized, okay, I'm going to have to make a decision. I'm going to have to go to the king. I haven't been summoned. I may die. If I perish, let me perish. But I'm going to see the king. I'm going to lay before his feet. But in the meantime, y'all fast for me. You pray for me. And I'm going up here. And if I perish, I perish. But if I'm, I'm going, I'm going for my purpose. And I'm going to see what God has for me. And so I really like resonate with Esther so much because I feel like she is me. If I was in the Bible times, I would have been her and me kind of taking the step, the steps that I've taken and even the journeys I've been through in life um, just really resonates with that story. So that's what I would say is Ashley, she's, she's young Esther. Wow. Wow. I'm just like basking in all of this. I'm still on grace. <laughs> I'm still chewing on grace right now. Y'all, I'm just like digesting that right now. But the fighter um the the woman with grace um just dealing with all of this and i i've seen you i've known you for for years i can truly say everything that she said right now about being a fighter she's definitely a fighter um fighting for her purpose fighting for you know herself fighting for her you know yeah. because sometimes we don't do that y'all we we will let her go and we won't fight for her and so i can truly say that yes you have fought for her uh, to get her to this place. I, I've seen God grace you in so many areas. And when I say when she, and this is not a lie, she actually took a picture, y'all, and said, this is the last time I'm going to be here. Uh, and she had like it written on her desk. She had it on paper in a notebook. And and I get a text and said, hey, guess what? I, I'm leaving, I'm moving. But I spoke this Brittany a couple of months ago. So I can truly say that what she speaks out of her mouth you know, she's a woman of faith. Let's just add faith to that as well. So, um, but yes, this is who Ashley is. And Ashley is um, definitely going to talk to us about our health because ladies, um, and with her story, she's going to share that, you know, sometimes we can lose ourselves. We can lose our health um, in regards to uh, certain circumstances or areas. We can even neglect that. 
and 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 don't uh become one with it so i'm excited about this i i want to dig a little deeper ashley and ask you what transpired in your life to make you pursue health like what was it in particular um that you decided hey you know what i'm gonna focus on women's health okay um well my mom is a nurse so i have literally grown up in healthcare. um when i was a little girl i used to go and do arts and crafts when she worked at a nursing home i've just always kind of been in it and originally um, i wanted to be a cytotechnologist and i know you're like what is that yes a cytotechnologist is pretty much a person that looks at cell abnormalities and so i wanted to do that i wanted to look at microscopes and that's what i wanted to do and i went to a conference a leadership conference when i was in middle school and they were like you're too talkative for that you need to be out and about and so that changed from wanting to be in the lab to wanting to be a doctor and um ultimately um once i did a program i did a program at howard university a summer program for summer it was like summer medical dental program for for people who wanted to go that route but it was like kind of getting your feet wet and when I got out of it, it just kind of changed for me. And I was like, I want to make an impact, but not in this way. I want to actually be in the, the programming. I want to be in, in the trenches and actually helping and being involved. And so that's what prompted me to really start looking at my options. And so I started looking at public health and I saw master's in public health. Um, ended up going for my master's in public health in 2016. Um, went back for my master's in human services counseling in 2017. Um, as I started learning more about healthcare disparities and about, and particularly, um, rural and women and minority um, inequities, um, I wanted to go back and learn more because every population is different and you can't talk to one subset population the way you talk to another. So I wanted that edge and ultimately um, tapping into the public policy. I got into that because um, now I'm at a point where I've had, you know, experience in working in public health. I've, you know, launched programs and worked in sickle cell, uh, commutable diseases, all these things. And one thing that I always see is policy is what controls it. Even down to the money that you get for grants, it's all about the policies that are implemented at the state level, at the city level, and at the federal level. And so that's what prompted me to go back to school so that I could gain the necessary knowledge to be able to influence policy. So now I'm kind of stepping out of the program side of it, and I'm really tapping into the policy side because ultimately I want to be on the hill. I want to be talking about those policies things in particular that affect women and um, things within healthcare that we can change in terms of screenings that can help women better themselves. Um, so that's kind of what, what prompted that. And after I had my son um, and the issues I went through with him um, in particular, it just literally was like a domino effect. And after that, it was like, okay, if I don't do anything else in my life, um, I'm going to be an advocate for women. I'm going to be an advocate for children. And I'm going to be an advocate for myself and know what I need to know. Um, because there were times where I could have lost my son plenty of times. And there were also times where, where I could have died. Can you talk if um, talk about the your story about you and your son, like carrying your son? What was some of the things that you experienced? Because I know you brought that up just now that you could have lost your son um and you could have lost you know yourself um in regards to that so what actually happened um in in that particular uh situation thank you for that question um so i got pregnant in 2016 
uh, October 20th, 2016. I know the exact date. Don't ask me about that because we're really going to keep it hot if we get there. Um, but October 20th, 2016, um, I found out, uh, you know, that that's when I had conceived. And at the time, um, I always had a feeling that something was wrong, but I never knew what it was. Um, even before carrying him, I always had irregular periods, um, but I was really active in sports. Um, and so, you know, that was what I was told. Hey, it's because you're active. That's normal. That's normal that your periods are irregular. No one ever checked my ovaries. No one ever really looked to see if I really was okay. I was just told, oh, because you're active, you're good because I was very physically fit, um, you know, in shape. I worked out all the time. So on the outside, it, it was no reason that something should have been wrong with me. Um, four months after carrying my son um, and going to the doctor and having ultrasounds, um, I started noticing uh, that my cervix didn't look right. And this was just from my knowledge of, you know, being in the medical field. Um, when you go and get an ultrasound, you know, you see where the baby is in the uterus and the, the tunnel um, is normally closed where mine wasn't close, it almost was like opening up like the Red Sea. Like it literally looked like it was parting, it would close and open. And I felt like something was wrong, but nobody said something. Nobody said anything to me. And so uh, another month goes by, I go in for the next appointment. And at this point, my cervix is like literally all the way open. It's like less than a centimeter. Maybe I think they told me it was like three centimeters of my cervix that was still closed. And the, they did the ultrasound, and the tech ran out. And when she ran out, I looked at my mom, and my mom was like, well, you know, what is going on? And I was like, I think something's wrong. I knew that something wasn't right. My son, at the time, I didn't know his gender, but his little legs, he was kicking, trying to pull himself up in the womb, and his foot was slipping into the canal because my cervix had opened up. And the doctor came in the head nurse, the sonographer, and they said, um, your cervix is opening up and we don't know um, if this baby is going to survive. You need to go to the hospital right now. And literally in, in the blink of an eye, um, my life changed. This was two days before my uh, 27th birthday. And I remember just being just kind of in shock of having this idea of what would be a perfect pregnancy and you know, I went through other things in the midst of that, but from a physical standpoint, um, it, it was just like, what is going on, God? You know, why why am I going through this? And um, I got to the hospital, they checked me out, and I literally had to have multiple um, examinations per day where they were just doing ultrasounds to listen to his heart. Um, every week, um, sometimes twice a week, I had to go through ultrasounds. It was to the point where... You know, they couldn't even do, because uh, when the baby's really small, they prefer to do like a vaginal ultrasound. They couldn't even do that because they were scared that any little thing could trigger me to go into labor. Um, I was told that my son wouldn't survive. Um, I was told that, um, you know, if he does come out, he's going to have learning disabilities, just all these things that could go wrong. Um, I was also labeled with uh, diabetes, gestational diabetes. So they put me on a restricted diet. Um, I was very small when I carried my son. And it was just like a continuous thing of hit after hit after hit. And on top of that, you know, things just didn't end from there. It continued. Um, you know, I went through the issues I went through while I was pregnant. But then after I had my son, I noticed um, probably maybe six, seven months postpartum that my stomach started swelling up. Um it literally looked like I was about five months pregnant. 
And people were asking me, was I pregnant? I'm like, no, you know, and it was offensive because I'm like, you know, I was eating normal. Um, I, I had a very strict diet when I was pregnant with my son. Um, so I continued it after I had him as well. And so I'm pretty much, um, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. I made appointments with my uh, gynecologist uh, and they looked at me and they kept saying, we don't know what's wrong. We don't know what's going on with you. Um, everything looks okay. You know, I mean, describing to them this bloating. You're like, oh, maybe you developed an allergy. Um, you should go see a GI doctor. And so I spent all this money on a consult going to a GI doctor, and they could not figure out what was, uh, you know, what was going on. They did all these tests. You know, they're like, nothing's wrong with you. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's just me. You know, I let it go for a second because they're the experts. I should be okay. Um, and around June of 20, that would have been 2018, um, one day I just collapsed in the floor. I was home with my son and I just started having these excruciating pains. Like literally it was like someone was just stomping me, stomping me in my abdomen and I could not figure out what was wrong. And I remember calling my supervisor and I told her, I'm in the floor, I'm in the bathroom in the floor my son at the time, he was in the room sleep. And I said, I'm in the bathroom in the floor. Um, something's wrong with me. And she's like, do you want me to call 911? And I said, well, don't call them yet because, you know, maybe it's just a cramp, you know, the way I was sitting. And so I stayed in the floor. It went away. I got back up. Things were normal. This went on um, for about three months. And in the midst of this, I went back to the GI doctor. I went back to my OBGYN. Um, I asked them to look at my ovary because when I was pregnant, they very lightly said, oh, you have a cyst on your right um, ovary, but that's common when you're pregnant. It's probably hormones. It'll go away. And, you know, God just kept dealing with me about my ovary. Like, you need to say something to them. Something's wrong with your ovary. And I kept asking them and they, you know, did a pelvic exam. And they're like, oh, nothing's wrong. You're good. And they did an ultrasound. They actually did an ultrasound and they said everything's fine. Um, in September of 2018, I was at work one day and I collapsed and I was crying, crying. I mean, literally sobbing. And my coworkers was like, what is going on? I couldn't even tell them what was going on, but one of my coworkers knew what had happened to me, you know, what had been going on. And so, um, they called 911 probably was the headline news of the day in the office because stuff like that doesn't happen at the health department. I was working at the health department at the time. Um, they took me to the hospital. Um, of course, by the time I get in the emergency room, the pain goes away. And so they're looking at me like, so what's wrong? And I'm like, I was hurting. I was in pain, blah, blah, blah. And they're just looking at me like I'm crazy. Because once again, I'm not showing any symptoms. The pain has ceased. And I thank God for the angel that he sent in there. It was a nurse. And she came in and I was telling her what was going on. And she said, between me and you, don't stop. She said, I've seen this before. And she said, the last time I saw something like this, the young lady's ovaries were twisted. And she said, the pain that they were feeling was her, her, her ovaries, her fallopian tube trying to unravel from each other. She said, don't let it go. Keep going. Um, after that incident, um, I got sick again, like a couple of days later. And I literally went to my gynecologist and I said, you guys are going to do surgery on me. I don't care what you say. They did CT, they did scans. I said, something is wrong. It's not my GI system. You need to go in and look at me because something's wrong. 
And, you know, she just very lightly said, okay, we'll do it. You know, I don't think anything's wrong, you know, but we'll go ahead and do it. September 20th, there's that 20 again, September 20th, um, I went in for surgery. Um, my mom was there and my son's father was there. I went in for surgery. And uh, that night before, um, God had allowed me to see an episode of Greenleaf. And I don't know if you guys have, you, some of you guys may be familiar with the show, but I was watching an episode of Greenleaf. And it was an episode where a young lady um, was young and she had a similar symptoms like I did. And you know this? Oh, my gosh. And she um, had fell out and was cramping and they didn't know what was going on. They flew her. I think she, like, had to get flown to the emergency room. Long story short, when the young lady woke up, she had lost both of her ovaries. And she was a teenager. She was a teenager. And I would never forget watching that episode. And I looked at DJ's father that night um, and I said, tomorrow i don't know what's gonna happen but i just started talking to him just about dj the policies i just started preparing because i didn't know why god was showing me that when i knew that was my concern and so you know he's like ashley don't talk like that everything's gonna be okay and i called my god mom and i'm telling her and she's like well we gonna pray against what you saw and i said no i want god's will to be done i don't want us to pray against what i saw but i want god's will to be done because i feel like god is showing me that for a reason the next day, I go in for surgery. Um, they went into surgery. Surgery ended up being prolonged. It was supposed to be like an hour and a half, two-hour surgery. I was in surgery for like four to five hours. Mm. And um, what happened was they went to open me up, and it was a tumor on my right ovary. Mm. The tumor was the size of a uh, football. They said that they did not understand how I was even walking around in midst of the pain as long as I could. And the reason why they couldn't see it was because the uh, the way that the tumor was, it was actually uh, uh, vertical. So it wasn't the same normal space that you would see for a normal, uh, for a normal, what do you call it? Uh, for a normal ultrasound. So like when they were looking at the ultrasound, you may normally look at it and they were looking at the top of the tumor. So that's why they kept thinking nothing was wrong. That's why they kept thinking nothing was wrong, but it was standing up inside of me. And um, the doctor said, she said, I've never seen anything like that. Like, I'm pretty sure it's probably going to end up in a textbook somewhere. And um, she just was like, um, at that point, they because they couldn't, they were supposed to do uh, microscopic surgery. They ended up having to go through my navel to get it out. So now I got scars because of it. Um, I imagine I had no scars when I was, you know, doing my whole pregnancy. I didn't have a C-section. I had a natural birth. So now I got scars. Um, they checked my other ovary. They said everything looked okay. And what had happened was the tumor was so heavy. It had gotten so big, Brittany, that my ovaries had got wrapped up around it multiple times and had become infused with it. They thought that um, the reason why I was going through that pain was because my ovaries were trying and my fallopian tubes were trying to unravel so that's why i kept going through those pains but it couldn't unravel itself so i ended up uh losing my right ovary and my right fallopian tube um september 20th 2018 so i still have my left one um it's good i actually go next week for an ultrasound um because they haven't looked at my ovary since i had my son so i go actually next friday um because that's something that i keep track of even now because if i don't no one's gonna look for me um, to just make sure that everything's okay. And uh, I couldn't understand what happened. Where, where did this come from? Why, you know, why did this happen? 
And when I started looking uh, research about what had been going on, I found out that the next planet, I had got the uh, implant in my arm after I had my son. Um, because like I said, I was always told I had irregular periods, but no one told me why. Um, so I got the next planon and the next planon actually, one of the side effects is that it causes ovarian cysts. So essentially they implanted me with something that made that cyst grow and is what ultimately caused me to lose my ovary. Wow, Ash, like that is a story within itself. And it makes me think about this question, which is a, a good segue for me to ask you, like, what are your thoughts about women being misdiagnosed, specifically black and brown girls, black women, um, where we are so, we're misdiagnosed more in the health realm than anything. And I want to know why is that? You know, why is that happening where when it comes to to us, we're being misdiagnosed, we're giving, uh, I kind of feel like in a sense, and I hate to say this on here, but almost like, lab rats in the sense where we're giving things that you they know will bring harm to us um and, and they are not helping us and so um and i remember that episode in greenleaf too because i was just like oh my gosh this is yeah. this is something that's happening um yeah. so yeah why is it that so many of us um black women brown women you know minorities why are we being misdiagnosed when it comes to the health realm that, that is a good question. And honestly, Britt, it has been going on for a while. Um, I even went through it when I was um, carrying DJ. Um, there was a time where the nurses were, like, greeting. They were doing – they have to do, like, a run-through um, when they report off to the next nurse, and they reported something that was wrong. And it could have been detrimental um, when I was having my son because of the particular test result that I had. I had to have antibiotics the minute my water broke. They had said I was negative for this particular test. And it could have caused a lot of issues. Um, so it happens all the time. Everybody doesn't have that medical knowledge. Um, they don't have the background that I have. So, I mean, I knew and I was able to be an advocate for myself. Um, but it's been going on for years. I will never forget um, just in, in being a bio major, a spellman, and just through my life of public health, just hearing different stories of um, even, and I won't name the, the hospital, but it's a very famous hospital that is well known for their research. Um, where they uh, people of African-American descent were scared to walk by this hospital at night because it was built in the middle of a, a parvished area. And people were scared to walk through at night because they would get snatched. Like, people literally would go missing. And you would never see them again. And they were taking, um, you know, young black people, supposedly, and were doing stuff to them to test them. And um, I don't know if you ever heard the story of Miss Henrietta Lacks. Mm -hmm. um, I love that story. Yeah. I uh, am very involved with anything dealing with Miss Henrietta Lacks. They're actually doing a revealing this this coming Saturday um, in her honor, a painting in her honor. Um, it's going to the Hall of Fame. Um, but if no one is familiar with the story of Miss Henrietta Lacks, she was a young woman, African-American woman, that was born uh, in uh, Virginia, in the country of Virginia. And um, pretty much she was diagnosed with cancer. Um, while she was in surgery, they took a sample of her cells from her cervix and, uh, the cells kept replicating. Normally they last two, three days in a peach, um, Petri disc. Um, hers never died. She never knew this, um, for years, for years and years. And you can read the story for years and years and years. Um, her cells were being sold for millions of dollars, makeup, um, a lot of vaccines. 
everybody has been touched by the life of Henrietta Lacks. And um, the only reason why her family ended up finding out was because uh, there was a breach and, and there was a contamination in the cells. So they couldn't distinguish which ones were the pure cells and which ones had been contaminated. And so they contacted her family and was like, hey, we got your mom in a, in a Petri dish. And she's like, what? We got You got my mom there? What do you mean? My mom's been deceased for years. And that's how they learned. So for years, it went unnoticed. So this has been happening um, with black women forever. And unfortunately, you know, she passed away, um, you know, but the family had no clue what was, you know, what was going on. Um, even studies, if there was a study that was done uh, back in uh, maybe in the 80s, um, and I don't want to misquote the source, but it was a study that was done with medical students where it looked at uh, their their biases towards certain individuals, cultures, things of that sort. And so individuals took the test, and by taking the test, there was also a read, and based on the clients that came in, how they presented themselves, they had to make certain assumptions about the, the client. And it was pretty much straight across the board that there was implicit bias towards those who were of African-American descent, those who were women, um, if you really start doing your research on just medical examinations, a lot of procedures and things that are done now when it comes to learning about the woman body, they were done because African-American women were literally treated as, uh, I hate to say, uh, cadavers, live cadavers, so to speak. And they would look at their uh, their breasts. They would look at the shape of their body. They would look at their organs and, you know, they would pinch them to see, you know, because they thought that black women could endure pain we didn't we, we didn't have pain receptors like this is real and so it's unfortunate that this has been going on so long and those biases still exist for women um even to patients um you know because I, I work in the sickle cell room now even with sickle cell patients you know that is primarily um with individuals who are um, african-american or african-american descent um and so a lot of times when they go to the hospital um, for that pain management, they're on opioids or they need some type of opioid and they're seen as drug seeking. I hear the story all and all, all and all the time in the room that I am in. And so um, it's one of those unfortunate things where it's just, I would say it's a history. And I think it becomes a bigger issue of how do we fix that? How do we get beyond that point? Which is partially of why I got involved in policy because of my story and what I went through, but also because of the things that I've seen in working in public health, the story of Ms. Henrietta Lacks. Um, you know, sickle cell patients that I'm, I'm coming in contact with. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm the person to advocate. I'm the person that has that, that responsibility to step up and say, hey, these things need to be changed. You know, programs are being done in this, but what you're doing is not going to solve the issue um, and, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's something that is uh, definitely disproportionate for women and others that um, are, are black in particular. And I think the, the discussion then becomes, of, you know, what can we do to prep? You know, what can we do to prep for that? What can we do to uh, make ourselves in the know? And I think the most important thing um, with that is to really uh, do your research. You know, I got a little acronym. Can I, can I, can I Go ahead, because I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you, like, what can we do? You know, for those that are not, you know, we're not very, uh, we're not in the field of the medical field, but what can we do as women to be knowledgeable, uh, even if we go in and, and have to see a doctor, what are some things that we can do to to be aware, to check ourselves, to have our own checklist yeah. when we go into, okay. you know, any type of health facility? What should we do? So the first thing I will say is 
say is to definitely stay on top of your appointments. Before you even get to that point of what you do once you go through that door, is you have to stay on top of your appointments. And this goes for women. This goes for men as well. Know when you should go. As a woman, we know we have yearly appointments. Go to your yearly appointment. Um, you know, when you're, you know, past 30, they start doing um, pap smears, but they include HPV um, screenings when they do that. So make sure that you know when you have your pap smear. Because for me, when I moved from Virginia to Maryland, I was asked, hey, when's your last pap smear? You need to know those things. You really need to know your appointments. You need to know your schedule. You need to stay on top of those things. I would also say, um, even before you walk through that door, know your family's health. Because when you know your family's health, you're able to be an advocate for yourself. I know that on my, you know, my mother's side as well as my father's side, there's diabetes, there's hypertension, um, you know, there, there's, you know, heart issues, there's, a, there's a, a history of, of different kinds of cancers. So those are things you want to know. I'm really having those conversations with, you know, your elders and those in your family who've been around. Because one thing that I know in particular, you know, my family, they're from the country. So sometimes there were certain things that just wasn't discussed. There were certain conversations that just weren't had. You knew so-and-so was sick. You knew Hattie was, was sick. You knew Joe was sick. But we didn't discuss kind of, you know, well, what happened or, you know, it was almost like a taboo to kind of discuss those things when you were going through illnesses, when you were going through those problems. So I think really understanding and knowing your family history, because even in, in, in my family, you know, after I found out I was diagnosed with PCOS, the doctors never told me. It turned up in a casual conversation after I lost my ovary. Oh, yeah, because you have PCOS. I had never been diagnosed. No one had ever did a screening on me before I even uh, started on birth control. Someone should have checked my ovaries, whether they knew there was a history of it or not. Why aren't you checking our ovaries when we get 18 years old and we're going to the doctors on our own? Someone should be looking at our ovaries before we're even prescribed some type of birth control. Because that could have saved me. That could have saved my ovary. What if I had not been proactive when I was about how I was feeling? Um, I could have lost both of my organs over time because the tissue was dying. I could have lost both of my organs and I would have been infertile. And, and it was all because no one took the chance to know. So really knowing that family history and, and seeing uh, what you can do to prevent it going forward. If you have diabetes in your family, then you know you have to eat right. I had gestational diabetes. Um, and so now, in, in addition to me having gestational diabetes and PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, I'm more susceptible to diabetes because I have PCOS. And no one ever told me that. This was me doing the research afterward and realizing the things that I'm more at risk of because I have PCOS. It's hard for me to lose weight. Um, you know, acne. I don't know if you saw the picture that uh, Kiki. Miss, uh, Kiki. Yes, yes. She talked about her her acne because she has PCOS. Now, mine is not to the extreme that hers is. But when I saw her picture, I was like, I get it. I get it. I have been to numerous dermatologists and they're just like, oh, you know, we're going to put you on this. We're going to put you on that. And there's nothing that can help it. When I have those flare ups, I just have to go through that process. So I think that those are some of the things to, to think about, Brittany. And also looking at organizations, if there's particular health issues that you're having, sickle cell or things of that sort, go into those organizations. For sickle cell, the Sickle Cell Disease Association of America, they have over 50 chapters across the country. So knowing that, um, the CDC is a good resource. And for women in particular, the Office of Women's Health, which is connected to HHS, which is a federal agency. If you go to the Office of Women's Health website, um, they have a whole bunch of resources from infertility, um, morbidity, PCOS, anything you can think of as a woman that we go through, 
um, the site is literally dedicated to women. And even down to uh, on relationships, if you're dealing with um, abuse in the home or things of that sort, they have a whole bunch of resources on there. So it's the Office of Woman Health. Um, if you want to make sure you're going to the right site, like I said, it's under HHS. Um, but their colors are purple and teal. Um, but, you know, really, whatever it is that's going on, you're really going to have to do your research and be a advocate for yourself in areas where you may not even, you know, know, know the answer. And I, I, I like that. I like what you said, that last part, be an advocate for yourself, because as scripture says, the people perish for lack of knowledge. Like people definitely perish when yeah. you don't have that knowledge, when when you're not doing your research and doing your homework. And I feel like even with just looking at generational sicknesses, that has happened. You know, it's just like, okay, we're going to keep eating the way we're eating. You know, we're not going to uh, give uh, the knowledge uh, that we need to pass down to our, our children or pass down to, you know, our families. We're just carrying these diseases, these generational diseases, these generational sicknesses that we don't have to. Um, carry because we're not communicating it. We're just like you said, it's, it's underneath the surface. Let's bury it. Uh, they just passed away because of that. But now these days, people are, are dying. Young people are dying from strokes, heart yeah. attacks, different yeah. things like that. And um, it's just, and I'm not going to say everything is a lack of of knowledge, but there there's some gaps in there. You know where we're not talking about how to really be an advocate for yeah. ourselves and I, I like that we have to be an advocate for our health because no one is going to love you <laughs> the way you need to be loved nobody's going to take care of you the way you need to be taken care of except for you and yeah. so you're living in this shell yes it's a shell but you're living in it you know yeah. you have to take care of that temple so i love that be an advocate yeah. ladies be an advocate for yourself yeah, so I, I just want to say, like, what do you think about that as far as, like, just being, holding your temple down, basically? <laughs> oh, um, it is so important, Britt. It's so important. Um, And, you know, I had a friend um, last year this time. Her brother had got sick, uh, and the doctors couldn't figure out what had happened. Young man. He's younger than us. I, I believe at the time he might have been, like, 25 years old, 26, and um, he was uh, – Sick and the doctors really just wanted to pull the plug. They were like, it's time to, you know, throw in the towel. What do you guys want to do? And I remember her calling me and I was just like, look, we're going to pray this thing out. We prayed, we researched, we became advocates for him. She sent me his labs. I hadn't, you know, looked at labs in years. And I started looking at his labs and researching what the labs meant and telling her what was going on. And the doctors wasn't being honest with her. And I'm like, no, based off the labs, this is what's going on with him and that. And the doctors didn't want to be honest, but when she came back with the information, they were like, oh yeah, that is going on. But it shows you how they may not always tell you because in a day it's a business and they are at their capacity. And when they want to get you out the ICU or whatever's going on, they're going to say whatever they got to say. And some of them you have to realize some people, um, their, their faith is in science, not in God. They don't have that same belief system as you. So where you may see the faith of God can heal, God can do anything, they may look at, okay, well, based on what I've read in the textbooks, this cannot happen. Long story short, um, the young man is alive today. He is moving. Um, you know, they said he would never walk, never talk again, wouldn't be in his right state of mind. He, he's all he's all the way there, so praise be to God for that. Um, but it was just one of those situations where, once again, you had to be an advocate. So if I don't tell anybody anything else. is to be your own advocate. And what you don't know, you go find out. 
and you get a second opinion. If they tell you, hey, you know, you, you can't move your right toe and your left toe anymore on your right foot, I'm going to go talk to somebody else. Don't take the first opinion. Don't take the first opinion. Don't wait till it's too late to the point where you waited so long to what they said becomes the truth. You have the power to change that. It's all it's a such thing in, in walking in faith, but you also have to have wisdom in that process. So you have to have that good distinction of, okay, God, let me get wisdom. Do you want me to move forward in this or do you want me to go through this process? Because in every situation, God doesn't always heal people. Sometimes you have to go through that process. Um, everybody's not going to be healed automatically. So you really have to have that wisdom of figuring out what does God want you to do? Do he want you to press forward in it or he wants you to kind of, you know, stop in that moment and, and let him let him work? Because that was a situation with my friend's brother. God had to show up. They didn't see it. You know, they were literally hovering around the room waiting to see what we were going to say. And we were like, uh-uh, we trust in God in this thing. And, um, you know, God healed him. So I would just say, it's okay if you don't know. It's okay if you don't have a medical background. Open up a book or go on Google. Thank God for Google. Go on Google. If you have a lab, go read what your labs say. When you get those results from your annual physical and you see numbers and you don't know what they mean, go look up what they mean. It's okay to know those things because sometimes you can be looking ahead and ultimately preventing something later where you might have had high cholesterol, which is another issue with PCOS. I had high cholesterol since I was 18 years old, borderline. No one ever told me why. It was because of the PCOS, but no one told me. So literally, if I had really started looking at my labs then at 18 years old and kind of being more curious about it, I probably would have figured out sooner that there was something going on that the doctors weren't figuring out. So, you know, just just don't be afraid to ask and don't be afraid to say no. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. I um as you're talking, like my mind is just going right now because I'm just thinking of how many other ways can we be an advocate? So we know we can be an advocate for ourselves in the in the health realm. Um, but what about being an advocate for ourselves even when it comes to relationships? Because relationships can affect your health. Do you believe that? <laughs> it can. We're keeping it hot. Okay. Well, we're keeping it hot. And it's just like, as you're talking, I'm just like, yeah, uh, you know, some doctors, they can misdiagnose you. But also being in relationships as well, you can get, it, it's, it's so much that can happen. And I from the last episode, or probably two episodes before that, I was having a conversation. It was just like they lost themselves. Um, hair started falling out. Different things started to happen. And so with that, like you answered my question, can a relationship affect your health? Yeah. But has in your time in your life, and I can speak on my own, God knows, but, yeah. you know, can have, have you ever experienced something where you uh, were in a relationship and it negatively affected yeah. your health? I have. And I you have. weren't an advocate. Um, you weren't an advocate for yourself. So because of that, mm-hmm. it affected your health. Well, you know, at this time, I'm going to say go ahead and get your tea if you want to get your tea. Um, your cookies, your cakes, your cream pies, because it's about to get real. Yes, I have been through that. Um, all kinds of ships can affect your health. Friendships, relationships, you know. And my thing for 2021, if you follow me on social media, is let the ships go. That's what I keep telling people. Let the ships go. If they are sinking you, let them go. You want to have the positive ships, but get rid of the negative ships. And at the end of the day, you want people around you that are equally yoked, equally dope. Yes. Quote, unquote, the gossip girl. Yes. So 
So I will say to you, you know, that's your biggest thing. And when it comes to friends and even with heartache, for me, um, I experienced it in college. Unfortunately, I was 20 years old. I was about to graduate from college. And um, I had met this guy my senior year. Now, all through college, I wasn't worried about dating. You know, I was focused on school. I didn't care about that. And I met this boy. Uh, we were we were in class together at Clark Atlanta. I went to Spelman, but we were in class at Clark Atlanta. And he went to Morehouse. Ooh, my Morehouse brother's going to get me for this. And he went to Morehouse. And he was just such a cool guy. He was a skateboarder. You know, but he was smart. He had the street smarts. But he was like, you know, he just he did it all. And I was so intrigued by that because as the nerd that I was, it was like, oh, he's different. Like, I like him because he's edgy. And we started hanging out and started off as his tutor, turned into his boo. And we started hanging out and spending time because I had straight A's and my calculus 2K. So I was tutoring him. And um, things were perfect, like literally perfect. Um, you know, dinner and every night. And I mean, it was just perfect. And I will never forget um, when I came back that spring semester after winter break, um, I was in my bathroom. And when I got out the shower, I looked on the wind on my mirror and he um, was at my apartment before I left. Like he had the keys to my apartment before I left. And I'll never forget. I look up on the mirror and guys take note because this was game right here. He had wrote my name on the mirror and it had both of our names with a heart. So when I got out the shower, it was on the mirror with our names in the heart. You could, at that point, I was just like, oh, God, I know he the one. I knew he was the one at that point. Well, that's how, so I thought, but God showed me quickly what was going on in there. So what ended up happening was um, as weeks went on, we were spending time together. He started getting distant. And um, I just couldn't figure out what was going on. You know, he just was always busy. We went from being together every day all the time to every other day to, you know, it was just always an excuse. And um, on Valentine's Day, he ended up coming to me and said, uh, you know, I just think you deserve better. I just think you need someone else. And I, I didn't understand. I was like, well, what, what, what do you mean? Like, no, everything's fine between us. Why are you doing this? And he literally was like, I'm no good. You, you're going to see. I, I'm just telling you, I'm not no good for you. And I was so confused. I was like, my dude, like, so why did you bother me in the first place? Like, you could have left me alone last semester if you just was trying to have fun. Like, you know, I just felt so, like, bamboozled. And I was so mad. And I caught myself, you know, I'm going to stick it out. You know, he going to change his mind because I'm such a good girl. You know, he not going to pass up on me. And little did I know there was another girl he was talking to. We were the same height. Our birthday was the same day. We had the same color hairstyle. We both were dancers. It was literally literally like he went and dated the fun version of me. Now, I'm not going to sit there and say I wasn't fun, but she was just, like, more carefree, I guess I would say. And I was more, like, by the book, you know. You know, I just had, I had standards. And so he was messing with this girl. And I ended up, you know, being a private investigator. You know how I was a woman, like, and I found out on my birthday that me and this girl had the same birthday. And, um, you guys, I got really, really sad. When I started seeing that he wasn't coming back and he literally told me he wasn't going to stop dating whoever he wanted to. And he was like, he literally told me it's up to you what you want to do. And I, I didn't, I was, I think I was in denial. So I still tried to like make it work. And I was like, oh, he's going to get it together. And um, he stopped calling me. It would turn into me texting him and calling him. And he would take hours to respond to my text. 
I would literally sit by the phone, Brittany, and wait for him to text me back. And when I, the more I felt him pull away, I just, it just got, things just got really dark for me. And I just started crying all the time, literally until he texted me. And if it wasn't what I needed to fulfill in that moment, I just cried all night. Next thing you know, I stopped eating. I would like randomly just eat if just because, but I wasn't eating. Um, I was very fit, very, um, you know, athletic. I was skin and bone. I still have the pictures. If you go to my Facebook, I still have the pictures. Um, I had lost so much weight. And um, one day I broke down to my mom and told her what had happened. And I was just like, mom, I'm really sad. Um, you know, I'm away from home. And she was like, baby, you know, why don't you go talk to a counselor at school? You know, go get some help. Um, I did. And then the counselor talking to me, she looks at my arms. And I see her checking me out and stuff. And she's like, oh, what happened to your arms? You know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, um, you know, I work at a bookstore. I worked at the bookstore at my school. So when you're going in and out of those boxes, it'll, like, mess with your arms, the, the you know, the fringes from the boxes. And so I had, like, little scratches on my arm. I was a skinny girl. Um, and so long story short, she was like, well, I'm going to let you go to this, like, a uh, retreat and you're going to go to this retreat and get some help and just relax and just get yourself together and get your thoughts together because you're heartbroken. And I'm excited because I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm going to finally get some relief. I just need somebody to talk to. Like, I don't know how to process these emotions because you know how mamas are. If I would have told my mama, she would have got in her car and it, it would have been all she wrote. So I didn't, my family didn't know what was going on. I was like suffering in silence. I don't even think I told you about how I was feeling at that time with, with this guy. Like, I was literally just like suffering in silence. And so long story short, I get to the retreat, so I thought, and I realized it was a mental institution. Mm. They had signed me on a 72-hour hold saying that I had tried to harm myself and that I was a threat to others, which is what you have to get. That's what you have to say in order to get the 72-hour hold. So little did I know, when I got there, um, I wasn't leaving even if I wanted to because of the hold. Because they said I was a threat to myself. I never knew it. So I'm sitting there. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to stay here tonight. I'm going to get myself together. And I'm like looking around. I'm like, hold up. Some of these people really have things going on that I don't have going on. So now I'm starting to feel confused. So I'm like, okay, I need to call my mom. I need to talk to my mom. I'm finding out I can't just call my mom. Like, it's just all these restrictions. So I finally get on the phone with my mom. I'm like, mom, okay, I'm ready to go. Like, what's going on? And she's like, Ashley, you know, you can't go nowhere. The, the doctor said that they wrote a 72-hour hold on you and, and you're not getting out of there until they see that you're better. And I'm like, what? They're trying to give me pills to dope me up because I was having trouble sleeping Um, because now I'm scared to sleep because I'm in this strange place. Um, Nurses are coming through with flashlights every 30 minutes checking me to see what I'm doing. Like, I felt I felt like I was, I was going insane. And um, ultimately, you know, my mom and I was on the phone with my mom and my godmother. They were on three-way with me. And I was in the corner crying. And they said, Ashley, if you're going to get out of there, you're going to have to fake it. We know that you're still sad about what he did to you. You're still hurt. You're going to have to fake it. Because if you keep being in your feelings while you're there and shutting down and not talking to people, these people are watching your every move and they're evaluating you. And if you don't act like you're happy, they're going to keep you there past those 72 hours. So guess what I did? Put on my acting skills. I faked it. I started participating in the group. I told them whatever they wanted to know so I could get out of there in them 72 hours. And um, I remember, and this is the part where it gets crazy. Um, 
I remember getting out of the hospital and getting home. My friends, nobody had knew where I was at. My mom ended up telling them because they, I literally, it was like I disappeared off the face of the earth. It was a rumor going around that I had died. Like literally people, like people didn't know where I was. Like I had just disappeared off the earth. I wasn't coming to class. Um, the teacher, the counselor had told me my teachers were going to be notified so that I could catch up on my work. My teachers had no clue where I was at. They never told them. So it literally looked like I had vanished. Um, homeboy. Oh, he was living his life. I was going through all those emotions. I get my phone back. He hadn't even texted me. He hadn't even realized that I had been institutionalized and I come home and ever and, and that even made it worse because I'm going through and he hadn't even realized that I had disappeared. It just hurt. So and I'm sorry, go ahead. No, <laughs> it's good because like, first of all, thank you for sharing this story. And I'm pretty sure there's other people that are, are, or were, were in the situation um, similar to yours or, or probably in it right now, you know, where allowing, not being an advocate of yourself, going back to that. And because of that, you're being misdiagnosed, uh, in, in the relationship. And then when things happen, then something else is misdiagnosing you. So, and then when you come out, you're like, who am I? I've lost myself. I lost this. Um, I'm losing this. So, it's a good point, you know, that that you're discussing this. I know for sure that I've been in situations where I've lost myself, um, where I, I was skinny. The other times I, I ate, y'all, I ate <laughs> my pain away. But it's just one, you never want to be in something where, you know, you lose yourself. And, and it's important for us, you know, as women to be a, a, a advocate for ourselves, not just, you know, for um, our internal, but also, you know, the external, our bodies, uh, with our hearts, with our mind, because there's there's so many things that wants to diagnose us and make us this and make us that and put labels on us. And, and that's not what God uh, created you to be. He created you to be fearfully and wonderfully made and, and to advocate that, not to allow the enemy to change your identity um, through a person through you know situationships or whatever it may be but uh this is this is really good Ashley like we have discussed some some good stuff right now like you you're keeping it hot girl listen I'm telling you but I agree Brittany it's it's definitely you know not losing your identity when I came home out of that hospital I couldn't even pick my clothes out I cried looking at clothes because I was so confused. It was a traumatic experience for me. I couldn't pick my clothes out. Can you imagine looking in your closet and not being able to match clothes? I just burst out in tears looking at my clothes. I was really messed up. But guess what? From that situation, you know, it was a, it, I went through a healing process, but I promised myself I would never let any man, any woman, anybody knock me off like that again. How did you I do that? never give anyone that power. Like, how did, how, how did you do that? What were... So someone that's listening right now, how did you, what were some practices that you did? Uh, wellness practices, mental, whatever you want to call it. But what did you do to better your health? What did you do to say, you know what, I'm going to be an advocate for myself from this day forward? What was some healthy lifestyle things or spiritual lifestyle things that you decided um, that you were going to do to get yourself out of that? The first thing that I decided in that moment was I had to put me first and I had to love me first. 
then I had to make sure that anybody I was dealing with reflected the beautiful aspects of me. And so the first thing was I wanted to make sure going forward, anybody I dated, that I was not physically involved with them. So at that time, I shut it down, clank, clank, um, which I shouldn't have been doing in the first place, but I shut it down. Um, and I was celibate uh, for over a year. Um, for over a year, I just shut it down. I just became so content and loving myself. I started going on dates on my own. I started going to the movies on my own. I started dating myself. And I, like I said, I literally was just like, I'm going to fall in love with Ashley. I started working back out. I started eating properly and, you know, not eating all those fast foods and, you know, making sure I was having fresh fruits and vegetables and, you know, cause even the things you eat can weigh you down, all that heavy food, McDonald's and the fast food, those things can weigh you down. So I said, okay, I'm going to start cooking more. So I started learning how to cook more and doing smoothies and, you know, just really started, you know, my water intake just really started being uh, internally changing things so on the outside it will reflect. And next thing I know, hair flowing down my back, skin was glowing. I mean, it was like God had just evolved me. I noticed, um, I looked in the mirror one day and I said, I'm going to cut my hair. And you probably remember this. I chopped all my hair off. Like, I, if anybody knows, I've always had long hair. Um, I chopped my hair off. I did a big chop. And um, that was like the final situation that kind of like was the shift of me going into this new person in my pur- in my purpose, falling in love with my purpose, finding my love in purpose um, was that me cutting my hair. And it was almost like identity change because I went through so much with, with my color in my hair. Like I said, me and the girl had the same color hair, you know. I didn't want, I wanted a whole new identity. And so I cut my hair and I started over and I've just seen so much growth since that point. Yes, I've still gone through things because nobody say you're not going to go through things. It doesn't mean that things are going to be perfectly fine just because you're walking with God. It doesn't mean that it's all peaches and cream. You're still going to go through. But as I mentioned in the very beginning, God graced me. So even in the midst of the things I went through, his grace helped me get through those moments. See, in the beginning, when I went through that situation, when I was in college with him, I wasn't relying on God's grace at that time because I was trying to do things on my own. I was 18, I, well, 20 at the time, and I felt like I was an adult, adult. I could do what I wanted to do, but I learned through that experience re- relying in God's grace. Yes. So in, in those, so you said you are 29 now, and that happened yep. to you when you was 20. Yep, I was so 20. in those nine years, God has really graced you. You learned yourself. Um, God is giving you even wisdom on some practices that you can use to better yourself, to grow yourself. Um, and, and and that's the beauty of it when it comes to having a relationship with God. He's so patient with us, you know, patient in our faults, patient um, when we are when we are in situationships, as we like to call them. He's just so patient. But in that, um, the, the key word that you use is is grace and and one of the things that you did say and that I the re- reoccurring theme that I'm getting um, is in those nine years it's just like I'm going to develop you I'm going to show you what uh, being fearfully and wonderfully made is I'm gonna show you what being more than the conqueror is I'm gonna show you how to how to be blessed um, not just in the city but in the field and so in those nine years like God, has done a greater work in you and I can truly see it and not only that he flipped it you just didn't you know when you wanted to put a period at the end of that brokenness and after the end of uh certain 
places in your life, God's like, nope, I'm going to use that, you know, for your story. I'm going to use that because someone else needs to hear that. And that's the beauty of how God can just flip our pain, turn it into purpose. And now you are, you know, you're doing things with women health. You're trying to help women. You started all this stuff, but it all came from a place of pain. It all came from a place, a place of, of pain, and God took that and turned it around into purpose. So that is beautiful. Like, I'm just happy, <laughs> so happy what God is doing and what he's going to continue to do in your life because, you know, greater things. And, and like I, I spoke, y'all, in the beginning, she is in a doctoral program. Like, in nine years, God, God has done greater things, and now she's almost complete with that with her with her program and then we're going to be calling her Dr. Ashley, you know, really soon. So it's just, it's just amazing what God can do. And I want to encourage, you know, encourage the ladies, like, look, it doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter if you started in tears, pain, it don't matter. You know, what God can do is turn it around and change your story. And just listening to Ashley, I hope you gotten something out of that to let you know that God can change anything. And, and, and and bring about a, a testimony out of the test that you have have endured. So this is good. This is good. This is good. So Ashley, you know, before we leave, um, I want you to just leave a few nuggets. You've left so much for us. We can just, you know, just eat off of that. But talking to the lady or talking to someone that uh, that is a 20-year-old, or an 18-year-old, or talking to someone like that, the the Ashleys that are out there that are young, um, what do you, what could you say to them that you wish you would have known uh, when you were uh, 20 and 18 and just going through those different things in your life? What are some things that you could pour into them? I would say um, I have an acronym that I want to share with, um, you know, the women that are joining us and even the men that are joining us because it can apply to both. But one thing I want you to know is you are impeccable with your word. Whatever you say, whatever you speak out of your mouth, you have to be careful of what you say because you're literally speaking things into existence. If you're going to be that first millionaire in your family, speak that. Don't speak defeat. I don't care even when it looks like it's defeat. I don't care if you're like, look, I might get evicted tomorrow. Don't utter those words. Speak life. You know, you spoke a little bit about, you know, even when me before I moved, how I had, you know, affirmations posted all over my office and they were all up under my keyboard. Nobody ever knew what was in my office until I left. And I remember the day I put in my notice, I flipped the keyboard up and I started seeing the things I had been telling myself weeks prior to. And it was just like, I was already speaking it. You know, I know God was going to do it, but I was, I was speaking it. Some people now, you, they keep saying manifest, manifest. No, no, no. I was, God, God was doing that thing. He was already doing it. It was, it was already orchestrated in the spiritual realm. It was done, but in the physical, I had to go through that process. And so those weeks coming to, you know, I started reading those affirmations. So I will just say to, you know, know that your word is impeccable and continue to, to go with that. You know, don't take things personal in life. That's what I would tell young Ashley. Don't always think that things that are being done is being done to you. Sometimes it's people, things that they've gone through. And hurt people hurt people. 
So sometimes you really have to realize that what that guy did, what that girl did that you thought was your BFF, they didn't do it to you. They were they were hurt. They came from hurt. They came from a history. They were abused. They were used. Pray for them. That doesn't mean you have to keep them in your life, but pray for them and just understand that it's not always you. I beat myself up a lot after I got pregnant with my son because, like I said, I had been celibate. And then, you know, I got pregnant and... I was scared to go forward with my book club. I had launched my book club that year, um, Esther Circle. And so for after I had my son, I battled. I battled with restarting the book club, with doing the prayer call. I knew I was called. I knew that God had greater works for me, even down to my business. These were things that God had been laid in my heart. Um, but I was beating myself up because of what had happened. And, that, you know, my son is literally has been my biggest blessing. If it wasn't for him... You know, him having him pushed me to move. It pushed me into the positions I am. It pushed me to go forward to launch my business because God kept dealing with me that it was time and I was still hesitant. And it got to the point where God wouldn't let me sleep until I went forward and did it. And so, you know, I would just say to just, you know, don't take things personal. Don't make assumptions and just always do your best. And the acronym I'm going to leave with you all before we wrap it up is just to have faith. And what that stands for is F is for fearless thoughts. Do not walk in fear. And anything you do, do not walk in fear. I don't care if you're waiting on the call. You don't know what's going on with the job. You know, husband ain't acting right. I don't care what it is. Do not allow that fear to get in your heart. Don't even put it in your mind. Even when it doesn't look like it's going to be so. You just say, God, your will. I trust you, God. I don't know how you're going to do it. God, it, don't even, it, it may not even look like it's going to happen. But God, you that bad that I know you're going to do it. So fearless thoughts, A, agape love. Have that agape love. When people hurt you, when people do things to you, like I said, it's not to you. They they have gone through things. And some of them, some people, they just they just are who they are. Accept that. But don't allow it to change you. Don't become that bitter person. Don't become that sour person because of what somebody did to you. Have they, uh, that agape love and so you don't stop your blessings because of what they did. The I inspiration continue to inspire you know all the things that i've been through i didn't understand why god had me going through those things even now i'm in the season with some things but i knew at the end of the day that it wasn't to inspire even down to this podcast when you reached out to me it was a no-brainer for me because i had been telling god i was like god i need to talk about pcos i need to find a way to bring this thing in and navigate this thing and i was trying to figure out the best way to do it because uh you know i, I have a speak you know speaking i do some of that stuff and you know, I have a site I'm launching. And I was just like, God, you know, I need this segue. How can I really get on that? So, you know, God used you to come to me for me to be able to share my story to people. Um, The T, Thanksgiving. Give thanks. Even in the midst of what you're going through. Give thanks. Be grateful for what you got. You know, yes, I'm a, I'm a single mom, Um, you know, and I have my son. But I'm grateful because there are a lot of single moms who are not where I'm at. You know, I'm, I'm doing well. You know, I'm not married. I don't have my husband yet, but he coming. God going to bring him and yes. he, he, he going to be all of that. He going to be Speaking. everything and more. Speaking. You know, he going to get comfortable for him and he going to be all of that. Speaking. But in, in this waiting season, in this waiting season, you know, I'm still giving God thanks because you blessed me with an anointed child who is so bright and smart. That boy is sharp. So I thank God for that. But especially with me having PCOS, I'm even more grateful because I know he didn't have to be here. And I know that it could have been if I would have waited to 30 or 35 to have kids like I thought I was going to do. I might not have been able to have no kids. 
So God, even in the midst of what some people may look like, oh, you were in sin, you had your child. Look, God, God can make a rose out of anything. He can bring that rose out of concrete. So even despite what happened to me, God used that situation and said, look, yeah, you you slipped up, but I'm going to still bless you. And then I'm going to show you that if you continue to walk with me, because I made some promises to God when my son came forth of things that I was going to do and things that won't come fly no more. And so I was like, okay, Ashley, if you keep that and you keep walking with me, even if you hit a bump, if you keep coming back to me, I'm going to show you exactly what I can do. And I know we don't have time because I would tell my deep freezer story. So you're going to have to bring me back so I can talk about soulmates and I can tell people about the deep freezer situation. But um, that's the T. And then the final thing is the H, healing. Healing. You have to continue to heal. You can be okay today. And for me, there are certain girls' names that I don't want to hear. If I hear, I get a little irritated because I know there was somebody that so-and-so was messing with behind my back. I don't want to hear the name. There's, for me, um, you know, there was a, a time where I couldn't get on Instagram because I would see couples and I would see people and families and it would make me sad because I'm like, I don't have that traditional structure for my child. You know, I just went through all those emotions So um, and recognize that it's a renewal. It's a renewal. Don't stop. Don't stop. It's always going to be healing. 20 years from now, God can heal you from it, but you have to continuously like renew your mind and know that it's okay to have those moments where you go back and you might feel some type of way because we're human beings. We're human beings with emotions, with hearts. But continue to heal. So ladies, walk in faith in 2021. So that was so, so good, Ashley. Thank you again for sharing all of your wisdom. I mean, I'm I'm like going to digest everything that you, you said. This is really, really good. But before we go, okay, I know the ladies want to know. I know, but I know they want to know. How can they stay connected with you? How can they follow you uh, as far as your IG, your Facebook, your your website? Uh, give us give us the deets on how people can stay connected with you. Thank you so much. So I'm going to do it in two parts. So if you want to reach me um, on my, my handle on Instagram, it's gossip underscore underscore girl. And that's G-O-D-S-I-P. Because like I said, we, we talk about God around here. We're not gossiping about no foolishness. So G-O-D-S-I-P underscore underscore girl. On Facebook, the gossip, the gossip Girl. You can find me there. And then my website, thegossipgirl.com, will be dropping on December 27th. So you guys can reach me on there. You can be connected to my blog and really find out everything that I got, got going on. I have an event coming up December 27th where we're going to be talking about 2021 goals. So that's on Eventbrite right now. If you guys want to go get a ticket, it is limited seating, but that's a free event. And then on the business side, if you want to talk to me about professional development or you're looking to start a business or you have a business and you need some help, I do all of those things that Brittany mentioned. So you can reach me on www.ace, and that's A-C-E, and then it's a dash consultantagency.com. And you can also find me on Facebook at Ace Consultant Agency as well. So if you connect to one of those pages, you'll be able to navigate and find my other resources. You know, I have the book club as well, um, Esther Circle Book Club and Motivational Group. Um, so there's plenty of ways to connect with me. And I'm pretty sure when this podcast is posted, Brittany will share some of those links. But thank you guys so, so much. I look forward to connecting with you and be blessed. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So again, as Ashley said, I will be posting that to share. We want to stay connected with her. Um, bless her, you know, and it's anything we want to support. Let's support our sisters. You know, they're doing great things. So why not? So thank you again so much, Ashley, for just gracing us 
on the podcast with your beauty inside and out, your knowledge and wisdom, and more importantly, your story. Thank you so much for keeping it hot, uh, literally and figuratively. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate your transparency. And I truly learned a lot. And I hope you ladies have learned a lot as well. I know for sure that I'm definitely going to take these gems uh, that she has given us and apply them to my own life. So I hope you do the same thing as well. So ladies, again, thank you for so much for listening. And I pray that you got what you needed and you will soar with this wisdom. Before you go, be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Your ratings are golden, as my girl, Sister Jill Scott, says. And I want you to be sure that you uh, continue to subscribe so you can know when the new episodes are coming out. And so this really helps with the success of this podcast. Last but not least, thank you always for your support. And I really do appreciate it. And on that note, you know how we do it, family, on here. There's one thing that I am confident of. I'm going to get my girl to help me out. But there's one thing that I'm confident of, and there's always a better side to life. You just have to what, Ashley? Flip it. Exactly. Flip it. She was the first one that got it right. I'm a faithful viewer. (laughs) Take care, everyone. We love you, and we'll catch you next episode. Bye-bye.